Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Man, we truly value the fact that you guys tune in to our podcast, Shelly and I at the CTDW, the Christian Theological Dark Web. Guys, this week is Passover week, Pesach, a super special and important week for us as believers. We remember Christ's sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, and ultimately his timeless victory. As that is the case, we wanted to give you guys the opportunity to really take advantage of being able to absorb the information that we're talking about this week because it is so important. Because the content itself was fairly lengthy and has been getting more lengthy, we've decided to take our podcasts and actually break them into two parts. So this first part that you're watching now is actually releasing today, Friday the 7th, which is Good Friday. And the next part we'll be releasing on the 9th, which is Palm Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we did this so you guys can better engage with the information, not feel too overwhelmed or overloaded, and really kind of just make the most of it. Please continue to give us feedback. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like, what you don't. Uh, we really just want to be a blessing and continue to give you the information that we are learning and discovering uh, along with you guys. So going forward, if we do decide to break up any more episodes, they will be releasing on a weekly basis, which is awesome. You guys will get a a luxurious dose of us once every week. Uh, so it'll be releasing one Monday and then the following Monday if it's a two-part episode. Well, we love you guys from the Christian Theological Dark Web. From Shelly and I, God bless. We love you all. Shalom and Maranatha. And in charge. Here we go. Um, welcome, guys. We have just started this episode. We have barely, in the last 30 minutes or so, decided on the actual title for this particular episode. Although we had mostly the title, right? So we, we pretty much had right. the title. Um, we are, you are continuing on the, the Serpent and the Seed. That's the, uh, the name of our series at the moment. Um, if it's not self explanatory, Humans are the seed, the seed of the woman, and the serpent is, well, it goes without saying, if you had, know any kind of allegory in the Judeo-Christian world, the serpent is the, the devil. Yes, good old, not so good, Satanas. <laughs> um, he is old, though. He is of old. So today, we are actually, our, um, our episode, excuse me, is titled The, the Lion, the Lamb. And the subjugator of death. Hmm. And you like how I put that emphasis on death as it should be, because he subjugates mm -hmm. death. We're talking about Christ typology today, um, largely. And this is actually because we are coming up on, and I hope I say this right, um, for all my Jewish friends or, you know, Messianic friends, whatever it may be, um, Pesach, Pesach, um, apparently, you know, I go to a Hispanic church, so we say Pasach. I don't know how to say it right. When can I, you know, I'm not going to try and kid anybody. We're going to be talking a lot of, a little bit about Passover, um, a little bit about communion, how they're relevant together. Talking about last week, we talked about Proto-Evangelion, which was the very first prophecy, very first mention, which was actually to the serpent uh, of all people to give it to um, regarding 
the coming redeemer and slayer of all that is evil. Um, so today we are touching on those themes on um, essentially the Abraham, well, the Genesis 22 account, which is Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah, the significance of that, the lamb that was promised, who was slain and who was overcome. And what does that include? That's important too. That's something that mm-hmm. we will be talking about, right? Um, we talked a little bit about it last time and uh, we'll certainly continue to talk about it as we are coming upon Passover. This uh, episode in particular, if you're watching, it is either Good Friday or beyond. Um, because that's when we're going to release this bad boy a little bit early, mm-hmm. um, for all, uh, you know, for spiritual religious purposes. Um, well, real quick, I'm going to let Shelly take over. We, I think we both did a fair amount of research before this one. Um, so this is going to be an interesting one. There's some, ca- there's some caveats and questions we're not super sure about, which is up to you as the viewer to make this some decisions and give some feedback on. So please keep those thinking caps on that heart open and those eyes focused on what we're talking about today and give us your feedback. If you know something we don't, or you oh, disagree all the more, bring it to us, baby. Um, so just a quick plug in real quick, guys, you can follow us at solo dot T O slash the C T B W that will get you to our email, to all of our social media, to our Patreon site where you can, um, you can uh, support us if you'd like to for as little as five bucks a month. That will get you, uh, once we have some supporters, we don't have any yet, that's okay. <laughs> um, but actually, really and truly, we are um, trying to set up a paywall so that we can do additional content and mm-hmm. uh, start posting that all over the internet. Uh, YouTube, if they'll let us, Rumble, they definitely will. So, you know, you'll be seeing mm-hmm. us on those platforms. We're already on YouTube as well. And I believe the... Um, uh, link tree solo.to slash the ctdw i believe youtube is listed on there as well so that is really it without further ado i will not take up any more time shell it's all you buddy thank you our commercial break is over <laughs> thank you for watching this has been ctw studios goodbye good night no i'm kidding go ahead go ahead oh, peace out um <laughs> shalom <laughs> yeah <laughs> You sounded like um, the genie <laughs> on Aladdin. You know what? We referenced the genie at the very beginning of our last, last episode, week. too. The episode's here, 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 here. Anyway. <laughs> good old Robin oh, Williams. Good old Robin He's, Williams. The spirit of Robin Williams is coming back to haunt our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so great. Um. It's funny we started with the lion, but we're gonna start with the lamb. And we'll mm-hmm. we'll spend um, a good portion of our time this episode speaking of the lamb. Um, obviously, John, the baptizer, Jesus' cousin, um, is doing his thing in in the the Jordan River and. Uh, Jesus comes up and and some of John's followers who later become Jesus followers, um, Andrew and John, I believe it is, are, um, are there with him. And the baptizer says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that seems like such a weird thing. Um, 
to reference somebody as, you know, um, I'm going to go see Toby Mac and um, David Crowder this week. And I am super stoked because I, I am a I'm a big Crowder fan. I love T-Mac. Don't get me wrong, man. And and his reaction to um, his son's passing has shown um, the body of Christ a good example of how to grieve and how to overcome. Um, and, and I'm really impressed with them. But, like, if I was to say, behold, T-Mac. <laughs> the purveyor of music you'd oh, be like man. if you didn't know who he was and if you don't know who he is you ought to find out for one thing um i suggest i suggest you go all the way back to the dc talk days down the with beginning. the dc talk <laughs> talk about jesus freak <laughs> which is really one of my favorite songs. That's the song is going to be in my head for a little bit, but um, you know, you'd be like, what are you talking about? However, when John told his followers, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they knew immediately who Jesus was talking to. If you are not a Christian in modern day America, you'd be like, well, what the heck does a lamb have to do with, would Jesus wasn't he, you know, just like a, a good prophet, a smart man, whatever. Um, and, and you wouldn't get the lamb reference. So this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to flesh out the lamb reference so that by the time um, we're done with this this evening, you will understand that reference like those first century Jewish men did. Mm -hmm. like Like they got it. So, like Rick said, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 22, and I um, will give you the lowdown the way I do when, when I talk to my kids or my husband or anybody, honestly, if, if I'm telling uh, history to them, I'll kind of uh, break it down this way. So we know dude name Abraham and we're in Genesis 2, 2, 22. Um, Abraham is God's friend, right? He, um, old dude before he ever had his, his um, first child, older dude when he had the son of promise. So um, God promises Abraham you're gonna have a you're gonna have a son. I am gonna make your descendants more numerous than the sands um, on the earth. Man, you can't count them. Stars in the sky, lay down. Go ahead, try to count them. You can't do it. Your descendants that many. And it, Abraham is seventy five plus years at this point, and his wife's no spring chicken either. He it wasn't a May December relationship or anything. It was really close in years pretty equal she may have been like uh, what 20 25 years younger than than him max and um they're well past menopause they're past womenopause mm -hmm. too and um uh abraham's wife sarah says you know what just take my take my servant lady and get a kid off of her and i'll raise it and 
he does what she says, whole mess. We'll we'll get into to that at, at a um so there's a ten year difference. That was it. Ten year, ten year difference. I mean that's meh, that's acceptable anywhere. Um, she was younger. Right. Well, thank heavens. <laughs> Usually the case, right? <sighs> Who wants to be nursing a kid <laughs> when you're 85 instead of, you know, 65? Mm. Um, so anyhow, uh, there's the whole Hagar and Ishmael story. And if you want to know it, it's between Genesis 6 and Genesis 22. You can find it pretty easily. <laughs> really cool story. Poor Hagar. The man. short version is uh, that... Sarah and Abraham wanted to help God. And so Sarah's like, here, here's Hagar, your servant. No, always a good idea. Me. Always yeah, works out always well. Awesome. Let me help Forever. God. Supreme being of the universe. Here, he looks like you need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't make us or anything. <clears throat> just, just ramifications. The Middle East today. There you go. Good job, Sarah. Good job, Abraham. Um. But then God still, just despite their meddling, God stays true to his promise because that's what he does. When we're faithless, he is faithful. And he gives Abraham child name Isaac because he catches her snickering in the background when um, <laughs> when God in, in two of the angels got in the form of um, the second Yahweh, which we we will dissect maybe later but the second Yahweh I'm sure Jesus before his um, birth here because again he's timeless right Be the word tells us before the foundations of the earth Christ died for us before the found before let let he already was so he can come and go anytime he wants on earth and and we'll also flesh that out more when we talk about angels in mankind and God visiting mankind. Um, mm -hmm. Right. A lot. There's a lot to unpack there. So um, we will wait for a time when we can unpack it by itself, or at least as, as the primary um, topic. Mm -hmm. Isaac means laughter. Cause like I said, Sarah snickering in the tent. God hears. And he says, you're going to call this child laughter. And I'm sure because God's not a jerk most of the time. <laughs> he, um, he gave more than one meaning it, to that laughter. I'm sure there was also laughter of true joy and not just to remind Sarah of her laughter of skepticism and maybe even derision. Cynicism. Um, cynicism. Yeah, it's a real good way to... Uh, label it so advance about 25 30 years Isaac is a man and uh, Abraham is an old man he's already had his um, triple digit birthday <laughs> and God says Abraham I I want to make sure that you love me the most. And Abraham says, dude, of course I do. How could I not? You've given me my heart's desire. And God tells him, I want you to give me back your heart's desire. I want you to take Isaac and I want you to go to Mount Moriah 
and I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Interesting enough, that word in Hebrew is holocaust, which again unpacks all sorts of um, horrible emotions for me. When I think about the Holocaust, it's so violent. And I mean, when is a burning death not violent? Of course, it, it is very violent. Um, so, Abraham, Isaac, did you have something uh, to say, Rick? Go ahead. I was just going to mention, uh, it's, uh, I'm actually looking up the origin of Holocaust. Um, oh, wow. It literally means it comes from Latin uh, in Greek, holocauston, or from holos, which means whole, you might have guessed. Kaustos literally means burn, so wholly burned. Um, that's to, pretty, to burn. pretty clear. And I was just going to, actually, I wasn't even going to mention that, but in Spanish, that's the word we use for burnt sacrifices, holocausto. That's the, also the Trip word me out when I that first is learned usually Spanish. used in, in Hebrew for a burnt offering as well. It's the yeah. Holocaust. Right. Um, or it is a Holocaust. Um, Correct. So Abraham and Isaac start gathering up the wood for the sacrifice. They take two servant men and they head for three days to Mount Moriah. During that time in Isaac's eye, sorry, in Abraham's eyes, Isaac's dead because he knows mm -hmm. what he is going to do. He has purposed, I will do what God asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And he's also thinking this, this, this guy right here, this 30 some odd year old guy is the promise to make a nation. So I don't know what God's going to do. I guess he's going to bring him back from the dead. He can do it. And you, you, there's something very interesting about what you're saying, Shell, because when, when you said that, you know, as far as Abraham was concerned, he was, we would say in English, right? He's as good as dead, right? Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. the, the common phraseology would, we would be. But I, I think it's very telling that you said he was dead um, as far as Abraham was concerned. It wasn't, you know, he was as good as dead. Like Abraham was like, my kid's dead. He's gone. You know, what can I do? And you're right. He, he did expect God to, to raise him back from the dead. What's interesting to me is that in lieu of the Holocaust itself, God accepted Abraham's action as the Holocaust. So that obedience. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Because of the action, because of Abraham's obedience in action and in resolve, he had essentially already done it. And so God was like, there's no need to follow through, which is kind of crazy it is it br but brings up they... the whole hebrew uh faith and faith with works and how does mm. one work without the other right yeah yeah, yeah it does and what jesus says about if you've sinned in your heart then you've already done you've it you've sinned god I well mean, it's and that's what yeah, the word says saying, it's so um, intention Abra it's... abraham's faith was accredited to him as righteousness as righteousness, as righteousness. that's crazy it's, it is the one, the one is the other. And yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Cause we like to earn things. That's hard. Um, hmm. but you're, no, you're, you're, you're right. So Abraham figures 
I guess God's going to raise him from the dead, whatever. This is where my my descendants, too numerous to count, more than the stars are going to come from. Mm. And the four <clears throat> men set out for the three-day journey from where they're at. And sorry, guys, I don't remember where they were at the time. <laughs> Three days away from Mount Moriah, a good a good walk. <laughs> the Bible the Bible does give where it is. I just don't have Genesis twenty two open right now, so um I don't know. Somewhere in is somewhere in Israel okay. in modern day Israel, that's for sure, because Mount Moriah is um, the Temple Mount, or at least part of that, the Mount of Olives chain, um, just like Golgotha. And we're, we're going to see um, some major similarities between this, this Isaac sacrifice and the sacrifice that Jesus um, was going to make a couple thousand years later. Did you find where it was, Rick? I think so. Um, <clears throat> at the very end of all, I mean, right before we get to 22, um, you, you know, which is the whole story about Hagar and everything and, and mm-hmm. uh, Ishmael and all that um, comes. Uh, it, it literally says at the very last verse, and Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. And then the following verse, which is 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said, Abraham, here I am. Take your son to Mount Moriah. Okay. So wherever the I... Philistines were at that time. And you know what? I know, I know that there are some biblical archaeologists who um, have said where it is. I just don't remember. I feel like it's a Viet something, but anyway. um, So Mount Moriah, that's where we are. They get to Mount Moriah. They set the stones up to make an altar, and they put. Oh, no, sorry, I have to back up a little bit because there's a pivotal point here when they're walking um, to Moriah. Mm-hmm. And Isaac asks his dad, he says, and he's, he's I'm, a, I'm somebody who grew up in the church. Rick, you too. Do you ever mm-hmm. remember the coloring page of this incident? <laughs> it's like some buff dude and some seven-year-old child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that that's not the reality. The reality is some tottering old dude and some buff dude who is the sacrifice. At yep. any time Isaac could have said, "No nah, man, not having any of this. We're good. I'm out." Yep. But that is not what what happened. Abraham didn't overpower Isaac. Isaac went willingly. And now I don't think Isaac went super willingly because he said, "Hey dad, um, I see we brought the wood for this Holocaust, but where's the lamb? Yeah. Where's our sacrifice? And in Genesis 22, 8, um, our pivotal scripture, Abraham answers. And he says, I'm going to read this one. Rick, would you, you have the other one. Um, the other version. So um, mine says, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That is what Abraham says. And um, it's interesting the way 
the way it is and Ricky's um, version, I think parses it a little bit better. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah. It says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I like um, how God will provide himself because it's what he did. He provided yeah. himself the lamb. He became the lamb for the sacrifice, not a burnt offering in the end, um, but the sufficient sacrifice. The only one that would suffice. Mm. So, Word. so they get all the the rest away. I mean, I'm sure Isaac wasn't thrilled, right? Oh, great, that's a fantastic answer, pops. <laughs> and you know cool. what? At that cool time, story, I right. I don't know <laughs> how, like, what kind of a relationship Isaac and God had. I assume that that they had a relationship and it wasn't it wasn't Yahweh the God of my father uh Abraham I think I'm going to to assume at this point that he was already Yahweh the God of Abraham and Isaac um yeah one would have to believe uh that that's because the case. he, How he went willingly not? Right, yeah, right. Exactly. He he went show. willingly. There was no right. there there was no compulsion there. Um right. so they go the rest of the way up to the mountain, stack the stones upright. For some reason, um Abraham binds Isaac his hands, and I think it's symbolic um for Christ being bound to the cross. Um I mean, the, the scripture here doesn't actually uh, say that. But when we look at Isaac um, as a type of Christ here, it, it meshes really well. It's, it's, it's pretty simpatico. Well, it, it, I mean, traditionally, right, when you were going to do a Holocaust, right, you had to tie up the creature. There wasn't much other way. You kind of wanted to keep everything all together because you don't want not to be crude, but stuff kind of <laughs> floating all over the place and falling off the altar and all that good jazz, right? I mean, you want to keep it all in one spot. Although eventually the bounds would be burned through, but Correct. <laughs> any anyhow, not to go too terribly morbid. <laughs> Super medieval. <laughs> like the two guys, though, that are with them, I don't know if they do anything. Maybe they carry wood too, and it's not just Isaac carrying the wood to his place of sacrifice sure. just like jesus carried his wood to the place of sacrifice amongst two other men who could do nothing for him also carrying wood to the place of sacrifice um on the same mountain range just on golgotha instead of moriah well at least the name golgotha instead of moriah um a lot of biblical scholars believe same, same, same hill. Um, go ahead. You sure you want to go? I'm not going to say that. Gonna I be... just, okay, then no, go. Cool. <laughs> um, I just, I just think it's super interesting that there's um, at least a tacit or tangential evidence that potentially Golgotha is the same place where Goliath was slain. 
Um, that's kind of crazy stuff right there. Um, <laughs> that was from, um, I heard that on um, A View from the Bunker uh, with, uh, uh, with Derek Gilbert. Derek Garrett. Yep. Gilbert and his Gilbert, group. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> so all sorts Shout of price typology good, and good overcoming podcast. everything. It's crazy. Go ahead. That's right. Tons of typology there. Like, like so, so much. Um, okay. I'll, I'll speed it up. We, we get to the mountain rocks, Isaac's bound. He's laid upon the wood and Abraham raises the knife. It may, it, it, incidentally, there that knife is a very special knife. The, the The word for that knife is only used one other time in the oh. Bible, and it's it's that ugh, it's a gross story where um oh the woman is dismembered. Now they, I can't remember. They send all the pieces to all the tribes. Yeah, to say that this is unacceptable. We can't do this. Right. Um, if you want to know what story we're talking about, it's in the Old Testament. You can find it. <laughs> you know, it's Shell. That's the one where. What, what city does that happen in? That's the one where where the two men that they're basically wanted to have sex with those two guys. Oh, that's right? Sodom. Right. It's Sodom. I don't. It's Sodom where... Oh. Yeah. No, okay. That's all you get. Stories. Yeah. You guys can. Yeah can get the rest of it. I think it is still still in this time period. So you don't even have to read far. You're still in the book of Genesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, we won't go into that because it's, man, I'm just going to do a It's hard to stay on topic. I know because what's, so what's still coming down the pipeline, we've been giving you guys little tidbits, but what's coming down the pipeline is like, it's, it's hard to unsee reality once you've seen reality, oh, man. And man, like the true. Bible is it's the coolest freaking story ever. Like it's the one story that makes sense of all of it. Um, it does. And we'll say, so anyway, you just say we will give you one spoiler. And I, we've already said this term before, but divine council worldview. Yeah. Divine yeah. council worldview. Okay. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Knife is raised. Abraham is ready to plunge it into his son's heart because even though he's willing to set his son as a burnt offering, think about that. Like he expected God to raise the ashes, the ashes of his burnt, completely Mm. burnt up son back to be able to create a nation dude that's insane wow no wonder that. his no wonder his faith is credited to him as righteousness I, that's I had all, faith it, it is the only thing i had ever considered was that he kill his like physically kill his son you know the, the stabbing and then god would raise him but i hadn't thought about the fact that he would be burned up. i'm not gonna lie i haven't either until right wow. now that's, yeah, that's i don't know that's intense because i i have family members who would not be cremated because they're afraid that might be just a little bit too much for jesus well if you're abraham's <laughs> son you would be you know. <laughs> Jeez. so wow god says abraham abraham and abraham's like 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, like I was right in the middle of something. Like... Sure, like <laughs> hold on, let me set my knife aside. <laughs> yeah. And he says, "I know, I know that you love me." And doesn't he say, I, "I know that you love me now," or "Now I know that you love me." It's just it's so like, crazy. Like God didn't know what a funny what a funny. And of course it. he did. Yeah. But what a what a wonderful example of obedience and in, in um how we're supposed to follow. But God God tells him, yeah. Don't worry, I, I have your sacrifice. Wow. Let your son up. Let your son up. Hey. Any Yes. I, I want you to, to check something for me. What does verse twelve say? How does it how does it read in your, your version? Oh man. Uh, it's it's yeah. the same thing you're talking about right now. I'm just curious. I now I have to look. You have to give me a second. I'll, I'll read mine real quick. It says Okay. Um actually I'll go to verse eleven real quick. So but the but the angel of the Lord called out from him uh called out to him from heaven. Um that angel of the Lord, you guys might want to look up that uh term as well. Like I said, that's, um, that's yeah the, the second Yahweh. Yep. And he says, Abraham, Abraham, powers. here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. I don't know about boy, but we'll just go with it. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. I knew you loved me, but I wasn't super sure about your respect for me. That's a thing. The um, a complete Jewish Bible says, uh, hmm. but the angel of Adonai called out to called to him out of heaven, Avram, Avram. He answered, "Here I am." He said, "Do not lay your hand on the boy. Do not do any, or don't do anything to him. For now I know that you are a man who fears God, because hmm. you have not withheld your son, your only son." from me well that was super relevant didn't didn't mean it for it to play out that way but (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of uh belief that in in um uh those olden days gone by that a man was not really considered a man until like his 30s um right and (laughs) but a woman was considered a woman at 12 or 14. But I mean, I get it. A lot of women died in childbirth and blah, blah, blah. And he needed to be able to provide for his family. And, you know, and putting aside um, egocentrism and um, thinking that our culture is the only culture and looking at everything through the lens of our culture. Um he wasn't a, a boy, but apparently maybe he wasn't totally a man, but we know physically he was capable of knocking his dad out. But yeah, your son, your only son. Mm. So then Avram raised his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the bushes by its horn. Avram went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in place of his son. So in verse eight, um, Abraham had said, or 
yeah, Abraham had said, God will provide himself the lamb. And instead, what was in the thicket is a ram. And even though they sound alike, they are not the same thing. Hmm. I know, it's a joke. <laughs> ram and a lamb. And ram and a lamb. So we know. <laughs> a ram and a lamb, ding dong. No, <laughs> nothing. A ram and a lamb, ding dong. Ram a lamb, a ding dong. Oh my gosh. Oh, come on. Oh my wah, gosh. Wah, wah. Okay, sometimes it was a your, fail. Your jokes, you, you, sometimes your jokes you are more dad that joke out. than mine. <laughs> oh, I love a good dad joke or a, a fun pun. Was, They're my faves. Not gonna lie. That was that was some some like deep dish dad joke right there. <laughs> you know what? A ram and a lamb. Ram ding ding dong. Like that could also be a shirt. I'm just saying trademark. Could be. Could be. Ram For your a lamb. A ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> I make myself laugh. Sorry, guys. Double for your trouble. <laughs> End result. No lamb there. There's no lamb there. But obviously... There is so, so much um, promise in that passage. The, the promise that there would be a lamb, the promise of a sacrifice, the promise of resurrection. Um, the promise of resurrection there has escaped me before. Um, but and there there are a lot of people who say oh resurrection is just a christian thing nobody ever thought of that before those christians but that's not true it goes all the way back man genesis 22 that's 22 the 22nd chapter in of a i don't know thousands of chapters book so that's pretty much beginning we're still almost in the prologue and the and and the yeah. promise of a lamb and a promise of a resurrection and kind of even a hinting at where everything was going to take place with Jesus. You know what? Like sometimes I'm amazed at how stupid our enemy is sometimes. How did he not get Golgotha? How how was he not sweating as Jesus was being led up the Via Dolorosa? You know, Shell, it you're right. I mean, it's unbelievable hubris, but at the same time, sometimes I'm not that surprised because we always expect God to do something in a certain way and it never pans out like that. Like, like never like pans my incident out today, <laughs> like your incident today. It just never pans out the way you expect it. You know, a lot of times like today, even for me, like I was like, man, I wish God, God, I wish you would change this. You know, I've been praying about this and blah, blah. And instead of God being like, cause I'm, I, it's, that's, I, I don't like to like overdo it. Cause I'm like, I, I don't, I don't need the supernatural at every second. You know, it's always nice, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's not what I'm seeking. You know, I want to seek the face of God himself. I don't want to seek what he can do. You know, all those are, um, all those things are added onto us, right? By seeking right. his kingdom. Um, and him, 
And and to but it's always nice when you think, man, I wish somebody would give me a word or, or God would, you know, do something supernatural. And I was kind of feeling that way a little bit today, which is, you know, like feeling like a bum, basically, like, you know, feels so bad. You know, it happens. We all feel that way sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the preaching was the opposite. It was like, stand up, speak life over yourself, move forward, trust God to do the things that you haven't seen yet. Just do it. Just move. And I was like, it's not what I wanted to hear, but that's what I needed to hear. And it, it wouldn't have been my way of choosing God to speak to me. I, and I wouldn't have thought God was going to speak to me that way, you know? Well, in that speaking, it's not like you changed anything. What you did is you reminded yourself of what God has already promised. And and we need to do that because we start listening to all the other voices because they're loud and they are insistent and relentless and they tell us all the lies that diminish us and make us feel like nothing Mm -hmm. and then God says I have redeemed you I have called you by name child Mm -hmm. you're mine you're mine I have designed you for this time for this purpose um you're fearfully and wonderfully made before the foundations of the earth. I knew you and already your, your life was put in my book. You know, David says your eyes saw my unformed body. And, and you'll hear me say that so much because that Psalm 139 is truth that my soul needs a lot to hear. And I think most other people too. So you'll hear me say it a lot. We have to remember those things. Did it change? Did did I speak? Did did my words have some sort of power that altered the universe? My words had power that altered my brain, altered my thoughts, took my thoughts, like you said earlier today, Rick, um, captive, took my thoughts that were going everywhere and, and really pulling me along like it's puppet and takes them back captive and says, no, this is the truth. You have to be under this truth. And we realign, man, I have to do a lot of realignment. I realign all the time, either with God's word or, or, um, uh, praying or a lot of times, like you said, speaking the truth the truth that I know and you can't speak the truth until you get the truth in you. So you, you got to go to his word and have the truth in you because it's something that my, my pastor said that was really cool. Shout out to pastor Marla, by the way, she's the one that said that. And I, I, she was the one talking about taking every captive thought. I didn't say that. Um, I am now, but, uh, (laughs) but my pastor said something really interesting to me one time. And he says, he says, how, how can you build your faith if no one's there? And I was like, what, what do you mean? He goes, right, well, what is the word, how does the word say that faith comes? Faith comes by hearing, right, and hearing the word of God. How can you build your own faith? And I was, this is at a, a men's breakfast, you know, just, we, I'm sorry, <laughs> men's devotional. And we're all sitting there like, what? He's this like, is a trick question. The, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he goes, you literally need to pick up the word of God and read it out loud to yourself because you're hearing the word of God. And I went, oh, jeez. 
Oh, that's, that's my tough. pastor said something along those lines today and i'll share really? that too what he well what he said is um he was saying I, it, it was the end of service but he was saying you need to pray out loud only god knows what's in our heart and we can pray in our heart god hears it he hears it we know what we're praying you and god know what you're praying about yeah but when you speak that prayer out loud, you are saying, this is what I'm siding with. This yeah. is whose side I am on. And you let the enemy know. And and I know sometimes that's scary because we, the 18 minutes a day, Christians remember that there is a devil and that there, there <laughs> that there is an enemy out to get us, you know, when your car doesn't start, somebody cuts you off seconds. or it might only be 18 seconds. I'm just saying, um, we're, you know, we give him all this power and then we're so afraid for him to know, no, 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 dude, you better know my name because I, I, you're not going to say to me, Jesus, I know Peter, I know, but who are you? Oh, no, no, you, you know me. I I'm Shelly. You, you take my name because I've got yours and I know who lives in me and he is greater than you are. And you might have some strength and you are spending every second of every day out to get me and all the rest of um, all the rest of humanity, not even just God's children, humanity, all of God's people that he has made, whether they choose him or not, you're that that enemy that group of enemies is active in this world right now, looking to destroy us, looking to separate us um, from one another in, in families and in churches um, uh, in groups of friends, whatever he God is about unity. Satan's about disunity. He is, he is about destroying <laughs> us. He's, he's voracious. You know, we say prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour, looking to devour everywhere, but he's way more hungry than a lion. He is hungry like the grave. The grave's yeah. mouth is always open, always consuming. And that's what our enemy is and who he is. And he yeah. is always looking for us. But God said, he said, man, I leave you so much power with the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in me. And that's only the Holy Spirit. It certainly isn't me. Then, then the one conniving in the world to get us. So speak your yeah. prayers. Speak them out loud. Make your position known. I really feel <clears throat> led to by the Holy Spirit to say this right now. Um, if you're watching this podcast, and you will be at some point, you need to hear that there's a difference between the roaring lion, which is the which is, is the Satan, right, which is the adversary, and the lion and the lamb, which is Jesus. Oh, that's What's right. I am not talking about that lion, right? What's the difference? The roaring lion is boastful, arrogant, and has to presume himself before people has to make himself huge and big because he's not. So and you know what? At the end, we'll talk about the lion in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and he has he, no need to, to speak to and be roar. boastful. He, no. he owns his own territory and the devil doesn't. That's why you need to mm. speak the words of God and pray the words of God over your life audibly for yourself because he, the, the devil is going to keep talking. And he's not going to shut up. That's why he's a roaring lion. You need to shut him out 
and let the peace of God come over you and take captive every thought. Sorry. That's right. That's good. It. Not no. sorry. Had to say it. Not sorry. <clears throat> uh, boy, we got off track, although not a bad track. So Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'll, I'll take it. Nope. Still good. So we were at the Lamb is Still to Come at the end of this yes. um, incident at Mount Moriah. And um, we know that eventually the lamb does come. And the yep. first the first time um, we really see like the good, very clear, at least really clear to me image of what what the sacrificial lamb really looks like is in Exodus 21. So fast forward about 450 years, 475 years-ish from from Mount Moriah to the, um, the middle of a big Egyptian city where the Israelites have gone from being um, respected visiting dignitaries to slaves that are so Mm. numerous that pharaoh has decided let's start killing them there's too many of them if they keep doing this they're gonna rise up um and then i um i am going to guess that most people in america whether they're christian or not know about the name moses they may not have much of a an idea really of who Moses is. Moses is another uh, type of Christ. He is um, Christos typology. Oh yeah, it's it's right there that you you can't get away from it. You cannot get away from it. Um, Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go, Pharaoh man, let my people go. And um, there are a series of plagues that happen. And you know what? I have watched a good majority of the documentaries because I like documentaries. They are my favorite form of entertainment Mm. and visual entertainment. Anyway, I like documentaries. Um, and I've heard the ones where they try to say, oh, it's because of the flooding of the Delta. It caused the red algae to grow and it looked like blood. And then it caused the frogs to blah, blah, blah. And the flies and the lice and the blah, blah boils. And let's try. <laughs> right. And then some some volcano must have erupted. So um, that's what made the darkness. Wow. Those Jews have good eyes then because they could see in that darkness. The, the darkness that, that the Egyptians even felt it was suffocating. Um, but we're, we're not to get into the plagues, although another spoiler alert, every one of those plagues demolished the power of a specific God um, in the eyes of the Israelites. And we're coming back there in a second too. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the. Oh, that's right. You know, you have something very interesting to um, add there. Actually, I think we can go ahead and and go there. Yeah, we're 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 skimming over the plagues. Anyhow, go for it. So, um, I was just doing a little bit of uh, (laughs) actually 
I was literally just looking at Shelly's notes and I was reading about uh, Passover and everything. Pesach. <laughs> and um, Pesach. And um, it was really interesting that, uh, you know, obviously not to get too far ahead of myself or ahead of Shelly or anything, but Passover was designed or ordained is a better word was ordained and yeah well i guess that's it's, it's a designed. it's a continual command Correct. forever to yes. for for israel and forever to commemorate it and to and it was to remember to commemorate specifically correct uh the um f- being freed as slaves from egypt as, as leaving egypt right and that they that that god delivered the israelites from egypt now Obviously, that's what Passover represents. And really, that's all I was looking at. And so I was just kind of, you know, I was thinking about some other concepts. And like, I, I had remembered that, you know, the gods of Egypt had a lot to do with what was going on. I'm trying not to give away too much stuff. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing here is that we all know, I'm sure most people do, as general historical knowledge that the pharaoh was considered a god himself so i just kind of did some scrounging around looking around a little bit and the it turns out that the um and actually i'm going to pull it up here just so i can see if i can find it real quick because i know where what i'm looking for so it shouldn't take me too long if this thing wants to open there we go cool um basically this we had talked about this last time that there's this word called Elohim and Elohim refers refers to gods, uh, little g gods to be more specific, but not necessarily little g gods because Elohim is a, is a specific denominative category specifically for we'll call them heavenly beings or, or having heavenly qualities, heavenly like celestial like qualities. Uh, so put a you know put a pin in that real quick. And just remember the fact that Pharaoh was considered a, a god, along with the gods that, um, and, and I know as soon as I say this, everybody's going to think historically, well, yes, of course, he consulted <laughs> with his gods and the council and so on. There was a council of gods, supposedly, that Pharaoh uh, convened with and had to consult. He also had a human consortium of uh, council type that he had to consult with as well. Well... The interesting thing here, definitely the word you use there is Elohim. But if you remember from our last episode, we talked about the Protoevangelion, right? Which was the first prophecy. It was mm-hmm. the first mentions as well. And it was, uh, you know, the, the first of everything, basically. The first mm-hmm. time that it's ever given. Well, this is another one, not quite that intense, but it is the first time in the Bible that Elohim appears when talking about the gods of Egypt. And if you know anything about the Bible going forward from here, you know how interesting the fact that that, with the exception of God himself, right in the beginning, Elohim. The big E, Elohim. And, right, correct, correct. This and is that, little gods, Elohim. That's the, the, the to differentiate uh, big E, Elohim from little E, Elohim. Um, is contingent upon the verb, correct? The verb denotes plural uh, I think, or singular. Yes, right, right. And and there's there's a I don't remember how how it's said because 
quick history lesson. I know um, Hebrew works different than English or, you know, most languages we're accustomed to. We have prefixes and suffixes. I'll explain that super quick. That's like um, if you say uh, register, you can say pre-register. Pre is a prefix. <laughs> pre, right? A suffix Before is register. like, correct. So if you say the word kick, kick is past tense, ed, the ed in, in kicked is a suffix. So it's just at the end. Well, Hebrew has something called infixes. So it changes, it like goes in the middle of the word. So it changes the the way that the word is constructed. So that's, that's why it's kind of hard to follow these things sometimes because we're not used to that kind of stuff. Infixes are very cool. Totally I know an nerdy. infix. No, that's What's so that? cool. I said, I know an infix and I didn't know what that was, but I know yeah. one. Um, it's Yehoshua, not okay. just Yeshua, which means salvation oh, okay. of God. Uh-huh. Yehoshua, yep. it means it still means the salvation of God, but it's a, the the hoe in the middle denotes holiness. Hmm. Because that's, that's what cool. Yehoshua Jesus is the yep. holy salvation of God, and so that's cool because I I I knew Yehoshua <laughs> and Yeshua fun, are right? the same thing, but I didn't know. Yeah. The, the the thing that changed it is an infix yep. and what it means. Yep. Oh, that's super cool. Isn't that fun? So yeah. when you see the roots on the sides of the word change, and then you see something like it looks like a whole different word. It's not a whole different word. It's just where you're putting the affix because that's all it means, just something you put on the word. It goes in the middle somewhere. So that's what Hebrew mm-hmm. does. I think Arabic does that as well. It's Yeah, it's a super weird thing, but it's pretty cool. Um, so... Coming back from your uh, nerdy linguistic lesson for a second. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, Elohim, right. So Elohim, basically the reason that I'm mentioning that is that the word sounds very different when you say it in the uh, in the singular. Uh, it's not Elohim because Elohim, just like Shelley said, denotes the, uh, uh, let's see, denotes the, the, uh, plural nature of it that there's more than one so let me find okay i can't find it that's not cool well doesn't matter um there's a there's an elohim that means an elohim itself means plural more than one god that's why it's relevant um and that's why it sounds like it does so if pharaoh was talking to other gods and that's the first place that elohim appears and Multiple times later on in the Old Testament, and if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Shell, but I think all the way in the New Testament, God talks about how he will punish the gods of Egypt. Um, So that is super relevant. And because it's the first time that word appears, with the exception of Elohim and in the beginning, God created the earth, that Elohim. Besides that, it's the first time we see that. Now, why is this curious? Because... (laughs) Even among the human council, there are priests in the um, priestly line of the, uh, I, I don't know what time period or any of that. I'm not going to try and pretend I do. I just know that they are called Achit, Achit Aten priests. They're priests of Achit Aten. And they were considered Elohim. Now, there's some interesting stuff that starts going on there. So there's certainly religious con- connotation. And the source I used is very likely not a religious source. It's just talking about general knowledge. 
Um, for us as Christians, we understand very well what that means, though, that there's some uh, spiritual stuff going on. And not to get too into that, it's important to keep in mind that that word also means supremacy. Elohim carries with it this, this weight of supremacy, like we are greater than you. So, well, yeah, <laughs> have, I mean, having said that, yeah, 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 it makes sense, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, I just hadn't really, I just, I guess I really hadn't thought about it that way. I just was, for me as a, as a Westerner, especially, I'm just like, yeah, there's gods. Okay. You know, these beings that are way higher than me, but I don't think about them having any opinions about me. Now that's a weird thing to think about. And they do have opinions about me. It's weird, right? I mean. To me, it's weird. I don't know. Um, it wasn't weird and, to Paul. You sure? Peter. Sure. But well, you know, must have been a, a wonderful thing to grow up in Jerusalem in the, uh, at the turn of the century. <laughs> first century probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is first world problems, right? Twenty twenty problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just basically getting to what I'm trying to get at is that there were gods that we're doing things. And just like Shell said that each one of the plagues confounds a specific God. Uh, I'm sorry. That's one of those times where you go, that's not a coincidence. That's a, that's a God. It's an thing, purpose. Man. That, that's an, I mean, clearly, right. Like God's not going to show up and be like, and then the, the only other argument was be like, well, the Jews knew that, you know, the, these were the gods at that time. And, okay. Sure. I, I mean, I guess, but if there's, you know, if, if there's calculated, and documented proof for it, then, you know, why fight it or whatever? Um, so that's the first Passover, right? That's why the Passover was originally celebrated. Shell, do you want me to continue on to this, the slain lamb part? Or do you want to pick up from there and then I can pop back in? Um, yeah, I can take over for the, the lamb for this part. Yeah. Um, so we're, so anyway, we're not... <laughs> coming back well, from God's thinking about you and having opinions about you. <laughs> you know what? They really do though. I mean that Paul oh, Paul do. only said it a little bit differently, you know, and I believe I already said it a few times, but I'll say it again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, what are we wrestling? Principalities and powers, spiritual And why wrestle if they don't evil. have any opinions? Right. They they definitely have a lot of opinions and they have a lot of goals and the goals are to destroy us to hurt us and to hurt god so yep. um and in the the conquest of egyptian gods via the passover is um something else we will hash out in a lot more detail in a different episode because we just can't get into all of it. I mean, our episodes aren't short as it is, but I mean, we talk for the next eight hours and still leave huge gaps and things. Um, When we were first talking about this particular episode, I really, really wanted to break down Passover and communion but honestly, we can't do it and talk about the lamb. Um, we will. We will talk about Passover and communion because there's so much that's missed when you don't understand um, 
the context in which Jesus was talking to when he said, this bread is my body, this wine is my blood. Mm-hmm. And because I can't get into it and unpack it today, I'm not going to talk about it any more than I already did, just to say I'm not going to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, one thing we can say about it, Shell, is that, and, and I was actually just thinking this, like, oh, well, that's why I went on my tangent. It's so much more Passover and communion are so much more than just being free. They represent salvation, redemption. They represent um, intimacy with God. They represent uh, fearing God, loving God, uh, restoration with God. Those are all the things that he desires with with us. A loving relationship with him. Yes. Yes. Not not an always pleasant relationship, but a loving relationship that families that is, aren't always pleasant. Nope. It, it's it's for our benefit, for our building, for our holiness. Yeah. Um. But the Lamb of the Passover. Here, the promised Lamb comes for the first time in Egypt on the eve of the 10th plague and by far the worst plague. Although I'm going to tell you, stepping on frogs, frogs in your bed, frogs jumping in your mouth sounds pretty gross. We won't even get into gross bursting boils. Um, Miserable. But I mean, nothing like the plague of the death of the firstborn. Um, of humans and animals for every house that was not covered, that did not have the covering that the lamb provided, that the blood of the lamb provided. And it's very interesting as well. This lamb, this lamb was to be um, a year old, perfect, no blemish. Um, If you had a small household, you and like your other small neighbor, you could go in on one lamb. You didn't have to everybody have their own lamb or every household have their own lamb. Um, but this, the, the lamb. Isn't it, isn't it cool too that, that um, lambs were seen as unclean by the Egyptians? And so that's yeah, specifically why the Jews would have them. And did you know there's a flipping lamb God in e- Egyptian theology? Really? Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't either wow. until recently. And I was like, Do you what? know what it represents? Oh, and I should. Um, uh, resurrection. Resurrection. Oh. Look, Google oh real quick. I You're swear that's serious. what it is. Okay. I think so. Lamb, God, of Egyptians. Um, God. Oh, my gosh. Am I right? Am I right? I think you might be. Hold on. Let me look at it real quick. It's really, I'm so surprised I remember that. That's very cool. Okay. Let's see if you can find it. And if not, I will look. I think it's either in, um, in Derek Gilbert's book that I'm reading or in, um, Godwana's book that I am listening to on audible i think it's in one of those two 
um, sources. So being as I'm reading them both, I can just go back a little bit and look. Um, huh. Lamb, that's where we were. So you could share a lamb <laughs> with your neighbor. Um, it had to be roasted whole. Hmm. And the Bi the Bible like defines whole is it has its head, the lower legs are still attached, and all the guts are still inside, whole. It's a holocaust. Mm -hmm. But they don't burn it all right away. So first, you know, sorry guys, graphic uh, uh, trigger warning here. If you have kids in the room, it's not the nicest uh, bit of Easter. They would slit the lamb's throat, take the blood, put it on the lintel, the door top, have both sides, and then the house was covered. Mm -hmm. And whatever firstborn thing lived there, dog, cat, mule, sure human, enough would not go ahead and finish it would not be killed but they also had to eat the lamb and whatever right. part was not eaten and that's why a family a couple of families could share it because a lamb's i mean you're talking probably 30 pounds and well may, maybe only like 12 pounds or so of meat after you know all is said and done but um the lamb then had to be whatever was left of it had to be burnt mm -hmm. it had to be burnt up um which is the holocaust so it's it's man god has a way of doing things that's that's both really weird to us and also super cool as you realize it here mm -hmm. was the holocaust lamb that was promised with isaac I, totally burnt up because Jesus wasn't burnt up, but he is, he is our true sacrificial lamb. Um, God just does a, a beautiful full circle thing that just is crazy to me. Um, we know that lambs were a normal part of, of offerings from then on. Um, and I'm sure it really kind of ticked off the the lamb god is there a lamb god rick there's a ram god it is a ram Ooh, god boo yes um so when egypt conquered kush um the kushites their deity was depicted as a ram headed um with curled horns so that their their so their god amon became associated with the ram Arising uh, from the aged appearance of the Kush ram deity, and depictions uh, related to Amon sometimes had small ram's horns. Um, now, here's the interesting part. Since rams were considered, uh huh, uh huh. Since rams were considered a symbol of virility, Amun also became thought of as a fertility deity, and so on and so forth. So, yes, life. You're absolutely right. Hmm. Still not the lamb one. Now I have to see what I was thinking of, and maybe I'm just wrong and remembering things wrong because I, uh, um, well, I have a there's, lot there's... of information that comes into my brain, and I should index <laughs> it better than I do. But I'm old. 
So there's the lamb every year when you celebrate um, Passover or Pesach. Um, so you don't have to eat lamb at Passover, but you do have to put it, it, it is on the plate for commemoration to remember about the Passover lamb. Hmm. So hmm. back to where we started, John one twenty nine. Get it. Where the baptizer says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins yes. of the world. Our redeemer has finally come. That had to be what Andrew was thinking. You know, there he is. We have mm -hmm. been crying out for him for 4,000 years, man, 4,000 years we've been waiting for this, and here he is, this this Lamb of God, and maybe it's more like 3,500 years or so. Um, I should oh, is that all? I, I should have uh, mathed that better, but I didn't. Um, from from Adam, you mean, yeah? Well, I, when I said 4,000, I did mean from Adam, but from Abraham, from the mm. God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, right. my son. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, we'll um, yeah, I don't know, three, three to 4,000 years. Three to 4,000 yeah. years. Uh -huh, and here, here he is. And you know what? Andrew, Andrew was having it. He, he was willing to, to sell all of his land to go get that pearl mm. of great worth and, and, um, took his brother with him. Hey, Pete's come along. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you Messiah. We've been waiting for. It's the lamb of mm. God. The lamb of God is here. And, and it's funny, again, you know, I was making fun of the devil early, earlier because, you know, why not? Um, about him not catching on to what was going on during, yeah. um, during that fateful Passover in 32 um, A.D. But Jesus' friends didn't get it either. You know, the week yeah. before, um, when he pretty much said, hey, guys, I'm it. When he told them to go get that that colt of the donkey who had never been ridden mm. from this house. And he, he, he quotes um, Zechariah 9.9. -9. Um, and I know, sorry, Rick, that's not in our notes at all. Um, no, that's cool. But it, it, he... It's, it's where Zechariah is saying that Messiah is going to come in at riding an unbroken colt that had never been mm -hmm. ridden, um, a colt of a donkey, not a colt of a horse. Um, so the, there's some specificity there. And um, when, when they say, oh, what if the, the owner man, you know, we're looking forward to Passover next week. Lord, we don't want to spend time in jail. And he's like, just tell, if anybody bothers you, just tell them, I don't know. Lord. Has need of it. And they'll give it to you. Yeah. Don't worry. It's like, it's such a cool thing. It's the first time he tells them, guys, 
that's who I am. And oh, they yeah. do it. And what happens, you know, the the crowd in Jerusalem says, Hoshushana, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hoshushana. Oh, look, there's another one of those. What did you say? It's called an infix, right? Infix. Mm-hmm. Hoshushana is, is the holy form of Hosanna. Um, and I, I mm. only happen to know this because my friend mm. Susan um, and, you know, Miss Suzanne, Stoner's wife. Miss Suzanne. So saying. Who's, who's they, wife? Stone. Bobbert. Oh, oh, okay. Bob uh-huh. Stone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Miss Suzanne Stone. They both, um, their names, well, and then every other Susan and Suzanne on the planet as well. <laughs> their Correct. names are derived. Not just hers. <laughs> right? Their names are derived <laughs> from Hosanna. Save us now, mm. save us now. That's what it means. And then they say, yeah, blessed cool. is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us now, son of David. And again, prophecy, mm. fulfillment, and the Pharisees, and the priests, and the Sadducees, all of the learned Jews, they knew, they knew what was being said about him, what he yeah. was claiming right there. There was no more. Eh, is he, isn't he? Maybe, maybe not. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yep. And you know, Jesus planned this. This was part of his perfect plan <laughs> right there, right there. If I was the devil. And of course I knew what I know. Now I would have been like, Nope, let him go. Let him go. Let him go. But yeah. no, instead they went, whoa, we now have what we've always wanted. We've got a really mustache. Twirl mustache. <laughs> and um, it, like it, it blew me away. My pastor was talking today uh, about Palm Sunday because next week is next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a little bit ahead of the game right now. And, <laughs> and Moving along, it, huh? right, it really dawned on me, Jesus did that so that his crucifixion would fall on the first day of Passover. Yeah. It was with total intentionality, totally, yeah. 100%. This wasn't, this wasn't happenstance. And I know I'm super guilty so many times of reading God's word and thinking, oh, what a clever story. Oh, how, how fortuitous, what, what great, the the way that comes Mm. together is so cool. Like I'm an idiot and I don't see divine fingerprints Mm. on the story from day one until the very end, not one not one moment, not one tenth of a second has escaped God's plan. None of it. The worst things we will ever go through individually and collectively, all, all going to be used for the good of God's kingdom, for those that he loves every bit. And it's hard to say when you're in the middle of what feels like not a moment of pain, but a moment that is an eternity of pain. It's hard to remember that God's in this right now and he's doing something. 
and it's going to be balanced. It's so hard. I know it is. And it's hard for me. I assume it's hard for everybody else because there's, you know, nothing that happens to me that's not common to mankind. Right? I mean, First Timothy 3.10, no temptation sees a man that he can overcome or that it's not common to man, but mm. God is faithful mm -hmm. that he will make a way out. It's not just temptation. It's nothing in this life is is exclusive only to me but jesus knew he went in hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and then one week later well almost a week later he um, is sitting with his disciples and he tells them, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the scripture open in front of me, although maybe I do. No, I don't. I don't have it. He tells them, I, I have been longing to eat this Passover with you before yeah. I suffer. Um, Luke and then, 22, 15. Luke 22. Oh, that's right. It's who we were talking I about. I have desire long... to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Yeah. And Oof, then he, man. he reminds his disciples of the Passover. And what do they talk about? They talk about the lamb, the lamb who is slain yeah. his blood over the door that causes death to skip them. Yeah. And he talks about this bread, this bread, this matzah, this unleavened bread, this bread without any sin. We didn't really discuss this much because I want to leave this for the, the communion episode. But unleavened bread is bread that has no yeast in it because yeast is a fungus that grows really quickly and just a tiny bit will grow to a huge amount. So before Passover, um, mm. a Jewish family will clean their house, all dirt, all dust, mm. super clean. They throw out all, all um, yeast. You're allowed to have um, baking powder. I know because mm. <laughs> I looked last year to see if I could make unleavened bread with um, with a little bit of baking powder, if it would still be um, kosher or not, and it is. So I, I happened to learn that. Um, but all <laughs> on that little tidbit, all yeast out of the house, because yeast has always represented sin. So when Jesus mm -hmm. says, "I'm this matzah," I this bread is my body, this perfect, sinless untainted matzah is my body broken for you and when you do pass over the the matzah in the middle you take it and you break it and you don't break it perfectly you break it and you hide the the larger piece um and it, I mean, you can find out the the traditions for yourself guys if you want this this is mm. my this is my Haggadah. I know it's the wrong way. It's just the swift Seder. Um, <laughs> and it's really a very small little book. And obviously I'm learning. So it's tabbed all over the place. 
but <laughs> you can find out about Passover yourself. Um, I guess we can put a link to this one. There's like thousands of them. This just happened to be the one that I got off of Amazon. Um, <laughs> nothing really special about it. Gives you the prayers, gives you the stories, gives you how you um, celebrate the Passover Seder. And um, Jesus said, I'm, I'm that bread no no blemish he's sinless he was saying i'm sinless guys my sinless body is going to be broken for you do this to remember that remember that and then when he took the cup he took the wine and he said this wine is the new covenant of my blood do this in remembrance of me and they ate it, and then you know the one who, who was bound hey, for cover your thing. Yes. And cover it. Oh, sorry, guys. Yeah, you get all that. Did a kid? Did a cat walk by at some point, and I didn't yeah, see it? Sense. Oh, I brought my book close. I bet you that's what. Oh, that's what made it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. The the one who was ordained to betray him. And I'll tell you something, I, I have, I have a theory about Judas and, um, I, I could be convinced otherwise. This is just my own personal, um, observation of humanity and the way we do things. I don't think that Judas betrayed Jesus because he wanted him to die. I don't think that Judas planned on Jesus' death. God did, and he used Judas for it. And Judas is called the son of perdition, so I don't know if he resides in heaven or hell. I don't know. (sighs) But I really believe that just like Sarah, Judas was trying to help God out a little bit. Here, take Hagar. Doesn't end well. Right? I think that Judas thought, um, I'm going to force Jesus' hand, and he is going to be the victorious Messiah. He's gonna, The next time he rides into Israel, it's not going to be on a donkey's colt. It's going to be on a war stallion. It's going to be on a steed mm-hmm. that that is befitting the Messiah. And I think he was trying to help Jesus come into his messianic power obviously worked out horribly and i'm not saying that that it was okay what he did i'm saying that i think the the motives i think that he told himself i'm doing a good thing i'm i'm not betraying my friend he's gonna see see and maybe he even knows because because he told me that thing you're gonna go do just go do it you know, when, when Jesus told him, go, go do what you've got to do. Maybe mm-hmm. Judas thought, oh, yeah, see, he knows it, it's, it's okay. Because we convince ourselves of mm-hmm. those things, right? We convince mm-hmm. ourselves that that sin we want to do is really yeah. all right. There's, there's a good yep. reason for it. And, and that's just a side yep. note with, with Judas there. Um, like I said, I could be convinced otherwise, but what I know about human nature is it usually we don't really go wah ha 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 looking for the evil thing to do. 
we tell ourselves it's it's for the benefit of mankind it's the the ends justify the means you know that's the term we use kind of comes back to me for uh with the um the searing of the conscience right um that paul talks about like uh i when i was reading over that passage i guess about a year ago and really kind of digging into it i started finding that um what happens the reason that they talk about searing the conscience is because it's actually talking about like uh when you get a wound it's seared um that's why they bring it up because when you sear a wound uh a wound not a womb um, I guess if you do, too, you do that do too. It's about the wouldn't yeah. want to do that. Um, I guess they do do it, right? They, yeah, they do ligations. The ligations <laughs> yes. Um, when when you sear the nerve, uh, when you sear the arm or a pen, an appendage or whatever, and you're trying to close the wound, you kill the nerves, so you stop feeling. That's what that's what that passage is talking about, and and when we numb ourselves to what we uh, what the word clearly indicates is wrong right or at least we're not sensitive to let the the holy spirit deal with stuff that's in us we sear those parts shut and we don't feel and so when you don't feel you don't act on anything because there's for you there's nothing wrong right so jesus goes to Gethsemane to pray he knows what's going on you know he prays that prayer that um I don't know I try to use as a template um we talked about it in the middle voice episode as well that that prayer that says I don't I don't like this and um my vote is if there's a different way I want to go with that. that yeah but whatever your will is is right and your will be done, not mine. Yep. Yep. And Judas comes, betrays, betrays his friend with a kiss. Again, I just think his motive was not nefarious. I think you're right. His conscience was seared. He didn't feel um, the remorse of what he was doing at the time. And and the word already clearly says that he he took for himself, you know, he was the treasurer, and he took for himself where he where he felt he needed. So clearly, his conscience in that respect was already kind of a compromised, you know. Yeah, certainly. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so why don't we talk about um, where was it? Luke twenty-two. Did you, did you? Yeah, if you want to get over to. Ephesians 4? Is that where you're thinking? I absolutely can. Do you want me to pick up the story from there? Um, let, I don't want to skip over anything. Finish the part that goes back to Mount Moriah. Ah, yes. So because let's, that, there's, let's, a, there's a huge tie right there. Let's go back to Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. Jesus allows himself to be taken and... <laughs> Isaiah yeah. 53.7 <laughs> Isaiah tells us that like a lamb he was led to the slaughter mm-hmm. and he did not oh man let's just read all of the, 
all of Isaiah 53, the forbidden, <sighs> the forbidden chapter, because, because it's beautiful. And if we have any Jews who don't believe in the room, this, this just might really blow your mind and change it. I love that the reaction by by Jews that don't read this this uh, this chapter is that they think it sounds like the New Testament. I love that. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, um, it's a short chapter. I'm going to try to get through it without being a total crybaby. But this one, man, it hits me. Oh, it hits me in my heart so hard. Um, do I actually have to go back a little bit to to fifty two? Um, I'm just going to go back to fifty two, verse thirteen. Um, the suffering, yeah, the suffering <laughs> servant. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. And there are many who who equate being put up on the cross as being lifted up. He was lifted up on the cross. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. And his form beyond that of the children of mankind. He didn't look like a person anymore. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall cut their mouths, shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see. And that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us and who has the arm of the Lord and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Sorry, guys. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And he was pierced for our transgressions. And he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own ways. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, 
living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and to put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted. To be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death. And was numbered with the, tra the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And makes intercession for the transgressors transgressors i can't even say the word yeah, my goodness <clears throat> if you can read that <laughs> without bawling like a baby who who's that to you <laughs> oh my goodness gracious that is the most beautiful of all the scriptures there's that sheep again led away to the slaughter and when the lion is shown in heaven this that's that's what is seen um a slain lamb <laughs> the slain lamb <laughs> Thank you for watching this episode of The Christian Theological Dark Web. For questions or comments, please email us at thechristiantheologicaldarkweb at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, please look for the Patreon link in the description. This has been another production of CTDW Studios. Thank you, and God bless.